This is the Power of Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to help make the world a better place, then it's time to run, walk, drive, whatever you're doing these days with the Game Changers, because this is where the best are. This is one of our newest series called The Power of Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation. And as we find the world starting to emerge, reopen from the global pandemic, we're finding that companies that already embraced the concept of digital transformation, or that big word I love to say, digitalization, are ready to pivot and be fluid and agile and get back to business. So let's see what our quote today is. I have a buzz quote from Harvard Business School Week. It's hbs.edu. Listen up. This is interesting. Traditional service companies know that customer loyalty has a power Im- powerful impact on the bottom line. But what about service firms in the new economy? And the new economy is referencing back to 1990 when this, was ri- this article was written. When customers can defect at the click of a mouse, Bain and Company's Frederick F. Reichsfeld first demonstrated the value of customer retention in the Harvard Business Review back in 1990. Now you can all do the math, we're 2020, that's 30 years ago. Even a 5% increase in customer retention can lead to an increase in profits of, everybody put your seatbelt on for this, between 25 and 95%. That's the quote to open the show. So let me give you a little more background on what we're gonna be talking about today. The handwriting is indeed on the wall for today's cloud computing service providers. If they just say, wow, we got a new customer, they hit, they reel the customer in, we have all this great stuff for you. And then they bang, head for the door, run and wait to get the new next net new customer. Why is this a problem? They are not paying attention to their customers' experiences and satisfaction level if they want to realize the benefit of what I just talked about, customer retention. I have a panel of three astute observers, practitioners. Wait till you hear the brain power on the show today. Okay, guys, don't don't get us well-headed. They're looking at me. We're on Zoom, by the way, and I can see them and you can't. So if we make any remarks about visuals, forgive me for that. But it's so much more fun doing radio on Zoom. So our panel of astute observers today, we have Dr. Nicholas Krasser, CEO and co-founder of Pentos, P-E-N-T-O-S-A-G. We have John Scola at SAP in the channel business. And we have Linus Tabellion at the Drexelmeyer Group. They're going to share their insights on our topic, cloud service adoption, hit and run, uh uh-uh, uh, never works. And a shout out to Noala Spooner at SAP who worked so hard behind the scenes to put together this episode. Panelists, welcome. Let's go around the table. Dr. Nicholas Krasser at Pentos. Welcome and please spend a couple minutes introducing yourself in case, Nicholas, there's one person in the world who doesn't know already know who you are. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Go ahead. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, yeah, my name is Nicholas. I'm from Graz, Austria, originally. I've been living in Germany now for no, 25 years, uh, living in Nuremberg. Um, I got a PhD in business science in Graz, and uh, in the year 2000, I co-founded my current company, Pentos. Um, around 2008, I got into uh, cloud services delivery solution design um, and have been doing this uh, the last 13 years with a heavy focus on HR uh, topics. And um, thinking about it, I probably helped move several million people 
to the cloud over all those years. So you're the one. <laughs> we, we've been trying to find, I won't say patient zero, that's not a good thing to say in this environment. You're the one. Nicholas, is there a fear of the cloud? Let's just get this on the table right now and I'll ask my other panelists the same thing. Is, is that fear gone, that trepidation? Ooh, cloud, where will my stuff be? How will I get it? Will I share it? Will I have any risks of, of privacy and, and security of my, my private information? What, what do you see now in the climate on adopting the cloud? Well, originally it was a big deal and only the big companies actually moved into it in 2008, 2009, as far as I remember that time. And nowadays it's very much mainstream. Yeah, everyone does it and uh, the people uh, and the companies who don't do it are actually uh, clearly uh, not on work, not, not on the current kind of trend. Yes, it changed enormously. I remember all those data security, data mm -hmm. privacy discussions in the 2008, nine years and that is mostly mostly gone. Hard to believe it's 12 years later, isn't it? Oh my, mm -hmm. how time flies when you're having fun in the cloud. Thank you, Nicholas. Welcome and happy to have you here and nice to meet you. John Scola is next. John swears he and I met in a previous life on a radio show and we're still trying to figure out where, but we will find out. John, welcome. And in case there's two people in the world who don't know who you are, and they can't see you with your wonderful headset on, I can. John, why don't you refresh everybody's memory? What do you do? What's your passion for this topic? And what do you think about cloud adoption? Is it is it just something companies do right now? Yeah, sure, great. Thanks, Bonnie, and thanks for having me here today. Um, so for the two people who don't know me, I'm based in Boston, which is on the East Coast of the United States. So welcome from the East Coast. Um, I've been with SAP for about 17 years now. Uh, I've been uh, working with our channel ever since I joined SAP, started off in marketing, and now I work uh, directly with our channel partners. My whole focus and the reason I wake up every morning is to help our partners become more profitable in the cloud. So how can they sell their solutions more efficiently, lowering their costs to go to market? And then how can they maintain uh, their customers in order to drive to that really important metric that Bonnie mentioned from Harvard Business Review about all that important profitability that you can get from retention. So to your question, Bonnie, absolutely, you know, cloud is, well, one, here to stay, but retaining customers is absolutely paramount. Um, we all know how easy it is, although we know actually how hard it is to get a customer. Um, it's very expensive to get a customer, so maintaining that relationship is critical for any cloud business to stay afloat and to continue to drive their cash flow, their profitability, et cetera. So looking forward to the conversation. Thank you, John. And it's interesting that we've heard statistics about retention before cloud came on the scene, right, gentlemen? It was Absolutely. always, they would say, uh, what was the old expression, the bird in the hand is worth how many in the bush? If you have a customer, rather than chasing new ones, make your current customers happy, make them loyal, make them advocates, ambassadors, and let them be evangelists for your business, and that will bring more business, but they are worth gold to you if you can just keep, whether it's a service subscription, whether it's more products and services direct, whoever it is. Thank you. So it's interesting that this maxim is just, in a way, it's just amplified in the cloud business. Thank you, John. Lovely to meet you again. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Yes, he's waving. And now let's move on to another newcomer here, Linus Tabellion at the Drexelmeyer Group. Linus, welcome. And please tell, now there might be three people in the world who don't knew, know you. And let's, for their benefit, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure, thank you. First of all, also thank you for having me on the show. Um, 
it's actually my, my first radio show and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, well, my name is Linus. I'm, I'm German, um, located in Landshut, which is a, close, uh, a small city close to Munich. And I'm working for the Direxelmeyer Group, um, an automotive supplier. And I'm having a global role in the um, HR strategy office. So process automatization, digitalization, automatization are, are elements um, I'm concerned with in my daily business in HR. And in this regard, I also lead the global development of um, SAP success factors and take also the ownership of the HR digital strategy within Drexelmeyer. Um, well, I have a lot of fun doing that because I um, have the pleasure to work with people all over the world. And um, I can actually see the benefits coming from all our um, initiatives and projects, um, <coughs> which the country organizations and the teams which uh, we are working with have. And having gained experiences with different partners and projects, um, well, I was able to develop a quite strong opinion about today's topic um, and about um, the partners we have worked with and, and the experience which we have made. And yeah, I'm looking forward to this uh, discussion. Thank you, Linus. Pleasure to introduce you to our audience. Question for you as well. Any fear about the cloud today or is it just, oh, well, we're going to go put all our stuff in the cloud. We're going to be a subscriber to cloud services. We have to do it. Or are people still saying, the people you work with, the companies you work with saying, oh, I'm not so sure. What do you see? Well, I think the fear is gone now. But um, to be honest, when, when we started in HR to um, go into the cloud um, and the decision was taken 2016, I had those conversations about data privacy and mm -hmm. the fear about the cloud still in our organization. Yeah. Um, by now, with the experience we have made, um, the fear is gone. And I think um, it's now easier um, to convince people and to explain people that there's actually no f nothing to fear about. When, when talking about the cloud and when introducing platforms um, which are cloud-based. So um, I think that discussion is over. Yes. Good, good to know. Thank you. So the education, the adoption is pretty much table stakes now. It's, it's uh, everybody understands what it is, the benefits. So it's not so much cloud service providers having to lay out the A to Z, the uh, cloud 101, if you will, but it's now how do you keep your customers, which is a very basic business quest. This is the part of the show where I have asked my panelists in advance to send me an opening quote that has absolutely nothing to do with the topic. And this will give them a chance to share with us how they picked the quote, where they found it. There's a couple of real interesting ones here today. And in their own words, you'll hear more about how they think, how creative they are, how philosophical they are, perhaps. And this will take us a little deeper into our topic before we get to the actual real roundtable part of the show. So Dr. Nicholas Crass, you want me to call you Dr. Crass or should we be very, very formal here? Nicholas? Uh, Nicholas is totally fine. Thank you. Okay. Want to be respectful. I have a lot of uh, PhDs and MDs in my family and I like to respect the advanced degree. If anybody else has an advanced degree you want me to talk about, that's fine. John shaking no, Linus is no. I have a lot of degrees, but nothing comes with the title. So Nicholas has sent us a quote from Eric Kestner's poem, Moral. I couldn't find much about it because most of the information about Kestner is in German. On, on the web, everywhere, even uh, book reviews. But I did find the following. Emil Eric Kessner 
1899 to 1974, was a German author, poet, screenwriter, and satirist, known primarily for his humorous, socially astute poems and for children's books, including Emil, which is his first name, Emil and the Detectives. He received the International Hans Christian Andersen Medal in 1960 for his autobiography, which I will not attempt to read the German name. He was nominated for the Nobel Prize in Literature four times. That's got to be a record. Uh, Interestingly enough, his father was a master saddle maker and his mother was a maidservant who became a hairdresser to help later on support the family. There was an asteroid. Did you know this, Nicholas? There's an asteroid named after him. The asteroid 1231A Kessner is named after him. All right, Bonnie, get to the quote already. Enough background. We know you like to do your research. Here we go. Here's the quote. There's no good unless you do it. Nicholas, where in the world did you find this quote? And tell me, what is the poem moral about? I couldn't find it. Well, well, basically in German, the, uh, the quote rhymes. So it, it, it says, es gibt nichts Gutes, außer man tut es, which is, a, which is a bit more, 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 of course, compelling than just having it translated. I guess the, uh, the, the English equivalent would be walk your talk. Um, and, and that is something I very much believe in. And uh, um, also, re, um, yeah, there's some as a partner, and uh, we are a small partner, of course, uh, from, from a global perspective. Um, we are called into action, and we need we, we need to actually make things work. Uh, and it's not so much the talking uh, that we get engaged for; it's more more the doing. So, um, and uh, that's that's why I found the quote very much appealing. And Unfortunately, it has. I, I even believe it has to do with today's topic because customer retention is also about doing things, uh, doing the right things, um, and not too much talking about it only. So you need to deliver. And um, yeah, I've been in the in the cloud business now for twelve years, and uh, it, yeah, you need to deliver. Yeah, uh, it's it's not only about uh, the talk. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's why I felt very strongly about it as a as a statement coming from a partner. And partners typically need to, you know, they need to deliver. Uh, and they need to do it continuously, uh, and they need to provide value. And uh, that's why I found the quote very appealing. Thank you, Nicholas. It very nicely encapsulates what we're talking about today. And the topic, again, is never hit and run with partners, with cloud service providers, just, wow, get the balloons on the champagne. We got a new one. Okay, what's next on the pipeline? You have to serve your customers. You have to understand what is really happening with them. What do they need? What do they like and not like? And keep them happy, their experience, satisfaction level. And it even is, is, I think it goes beyond the math of customer retention, doesn't it go beyond the reputation? John Scola, what do you want to say? Yeah, I just, I, I love the quote because I was just thinking about what, what you were saying, Bonnie, tied to what Nicholas said. And, you know, at the end of the day, customers want outcomes, right? They've got a business problem. They need an outcome to that solution. We can talk all day long about what our technology can do and how wonderful it is, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. But it's, you know, partners like Nicholas and Pentos who actually take that promise and cre- execute it into something real that drives the customer outcome. So, you know, walking the talk, turning slides into reality, um, delivering on outcomes. It's a great quote. Excellent. Yes, it is. Thank you very much. And speaking of John Scola, moving on to your quote next. You have a quote that we can encapsulate in four letters, K-I-S-S. And while we're here in the pandemic, I tell people air hugs. I can't hug people, which I love to do in person. And you certainly have to be careful who you kiss these days. But kiss is the acronym for 
a U.S. Navy principal, design principal, created in 1960. That goes way, how many years ago? 40 plus, oh my goodness, don't even go there, 60 years ago. Was anybody alive then? We're not talking. So here we go. It's KISS is the acronym for Keep It Simple, Stupid, or Keep It Stupid, Simple. Let me just read a little bit about this, John. The KISS principle states that most systems work best if they are kept simple rather than made complicated. Therefore, simplicity should be a key goal in design and unnecessary complexity should be avoided. The phrase has been associated with aircraft engineer Kelly Johnson. The term KISS principle was popularly in use by 1970. Variations are keep it simple, silly, keep it short and simple, keep it simple and straightforward, keep it small and simple, or keep it stupid simple. And there are similar concepts, minimalist concepts, such as Occam's razor, Leonardo da Vinci's simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. We've all heard that. Shakespeare's brevity is the soul of wit. Mies van der Rohe's less is more. Bjorn Straustrup's make simple tasks simple. Antoine d'Exupéry, Le Prince, it seems that perfection is reached not when there is nothing left to add, but there was nothing left to take away. Colin Chapman, the founder of Lotus Cars, urged his designer to simplify, then add lightness. Heath Robinson machines and Rube Goldberg's machines, intentionally overly complex solutions to simple tasks or problems are humorous examples of non-KISS solutions. So KISS, however you want, I, I hope you didn't mind my, my uh, historical revelations about the principle, but John Scola, how in the world did you pick this for our quote today? Go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie, and I appreciate all that history. Now I, I just learned a whole ton of info. Oh, <laughs> I, I I picked the quote because you know, we live in a very complex world. Uh, I work working for SAP. We have very complex technology, and the beauty of the technology is that it works. And so you have to, instead of talking about the technology, that we really need to change the conversation to talking about how the technology solves problems and how the technology actually comes to work. So just like with Nicholas's quote, like walking the talk, like does the software actually work and does it solve my problems? And so we often, um, maybe I'm telling a little too much about SAP right now, we often get caught up in our own knitting all of the time about, mm -hmm. oh, how wonderful this is and how complex it is and look at this complex solution that it solves, et cetera, et cetera. But really, having spent 10 years in marketing prior to coming to SAP, the beauty is trying to simplify the message so that everyone could understand it. It's not knowing that it can do A and B and C and you know, a third of Q and et cetera, et cetera. It can just solve your issues. And so being, being able to take something super complex, boil it down to the core essence, and then um, communicate that to me is a absolutely beautiful thing. So, you know, I'm showing everyone now my, my iPhone, right? You yes. know, you didn't mention Steve Jobs uh, in your history, but, you know, Steve Jobs took this incredibly complex mm -hmm. technology and boiled it down into something so user friendly and so easy and so simple mm -hmm. that there is there is absolute beauty and magic within that versus like, you know, where's Blackberry today, right? I was just... Oh. <laughs> exactly right then that even though that was i was a blackberry user for years even though i you know you get accustomed to it and you and it becomes simple to use after a while the the simplicity of the apps that that apple created and the way for people to engage with the solution was just or with the iphone was just 
game break, uh, game changing. Well, which great for our title today. Um, and so, you know, just <laughs> absolutely love what, what Steve Jobs does. Absolutely think that we could take complex topics and boil them down into the core essence and then present them that way. So we should always be thinking about the KISS principles. Thank you. And it's a, something as simple as when you open up the box for a new Apple product, you all know that, especially a phone, one of the, some of the smaller non, I have a couple of 27 inch desktops here, but when you open a small, it's, it's so simple. It's white. It's clean. It's beautiful. Nicholas, you want to say something? Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I can relate totally to what John said, and uh, it's actually typically also instrumental in getting that in the cloud uh, scenario so that the customers actually adopt a solution instead of giving them a million options and showing them complex scenarios and configurations options or workbooks or whatever, and they need to decide on five million kind of decision points. Uh, the idea is actually to you know, have them adopt an excellent solution make it simple for them. And then you can iterate on top of that. But the first phase is actually very simple or needs to be simple in order to be successful. Couldn't agree more. And that leads us to Linus to Billy. And Linus, I once said to a third panelist in the rotation, he's been so patient and he snapped back at me on the radio. No, I'm not. I thought you forgot me. I said, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. So Linus looks very patient and I appreciate that. Linus has a great quote from Anthony Robbins that is, it's just wonderful for this topic today. Complexity is the enemy of execution. Let me just give a little background. Anthony J. Robbins, born Anthony J. Mahavoric. Uh, he's still very much alive and probably still making billions. 1960, he was born an American author, public speaker, life coach, and philanthropist known for his infomercials, his seminars, and his self-help books, including the 1987, probably still very much in print, Unlimited Power, and Awaken the Giant Within 1993. I think I still have a copy of that on my desktop. In 2015 and 2016, Anthony Robbins, or Tony Robbins, as he calls, was listed on the Worth Magazine Power 100 list. I'm interesting to see where he is today. Complexity is the enemy of execution. Linus, give us a little bit of explanation on how you found this. There's a lot of good quotes from Tony Robbins. Where did this one come from? Sure. Well, I actually have to admit, I usually don't work with quotes, nor do I pay a lot of attention to quotes. So this was a new requirement for me, and I simply Googled. And um, <laughs> this resonates with um, the content I'm, I'm very often stressing, um, which is simplicity, right? And, and it it's, it's fits perfectly um, to what John and uh, Nicholas said. Um, because I, I think that simplicity is, is essential for a quicker progress, for more efficiency, and, and above all, for, for people satisfaction, right? And um, I think that, unfortunately, we see too many people in, in consulting, um, but also a lot of processes in organization who are not good at translating and, and, and a complex um, topic to a clear and understandable term so that all parties who are involved can actually, um, yeah, well, comprehend and execute whatever is necessary. And um, I totally agree with uh, Nicholas when he says, as a customer, um, would like to have simplicity when, especially when he deals the very first time with a cloud technology because there's so many things the customer needs to take care about, yeah? 
reinventing and analyzing processes, setting up new, um, new um, structures within the company, um, getting to know the technology, getting comfortable with the technology. Mm -hmm. And as soon as the partner is able to support the customers in making things simple, like not dealing with a workbook, um, mm -hmm. for example, uh, uh, simply defining use cases, yeah, and, and using their own language to, to, um, um, to get things done in, in, then in a technical matter. This really supports the customers and this really um, helps a fast progress. So here, Anthony Robbins got, actually, got it actually on the point quite well when saying complexity is the enemy of execution. And simplicity, on the other hand, will definitely support a solution adoption um, of customers significantly. Yeah. Thank you all. Very, very interesting. I have a quick story to share with all of you. Somebody mentioned just a few minutes ago about we're in an outcome-based economy. You want to be a partner, a consultant, a, a business analyst, whatever it is. It's all about what, what's in it for me. I think we've all heard the, the quote, you're not buying a, a hammer. You're not buying a nail and a hammer. You're buying, I don't know, a connection. It's something attached to each other. Uh, you're not buying a drill. You're buying a quarter-inch hole. The drill gets you there. What is the outcome? Uh, years ago, I was introduced to something called guerrilla marketing. And the example I learned was interesting. Okay, I'm a toaster company. I have been in the toaster business for 50 years. I can give you 15 different colors. I can give you three different sizes. I can plug it into an array of different types of outlets on your kitchen counter. And I'm the oldest company in the business. Okay, so what? Here's a new one. I'm a toaster company. Are you a busy mom or dad who's got to get the kids off to school, got to get the family You've got a small kitchen counter. You need toast that is always right on exactly how everybody likes it when you've got to get that whole wheat toast and that great homemade bread out of the toaster. You don't have time for cleanup. You don't have a lot of room. It needs to be fast. It needs to be perfect every time. I've got the toaster for you. Totally different concept. It's what is the outcome? You're busy. You don't have much room. You don't have much time. You don't have time to clean up. You don't have time to do the toast four times. You got 12 minutes to get a family out the door. So that's the point, guerrilla marketing. And that's, I think that was the precursor to outcome based. And this was a lot of years ago. Somebody taught me this. So I like to use the toaster company. Now it's the time of the show where we go to our formal round table. And I want to say appreciation to the three of you. You're all so articulate and I love the quotes you pick. So thank you very much. It really, really gives the, the show a flavor of your personality. So Dr. Nicholas Crasser, I'm going to go to statement. He's raising his eyebrows. What is she going to do for me now? Outcome-based, outcome-based. I'm going to go to, to statement number three. I think that speaks to, to what we're talking about. We talked about simplicity, complexity. Linus is the enemy of execution. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it stupid, simple. All that good stuff. Well, let's talk about statement number three, Nicholas said, and he'll talk for about two minutes. I'll read a little bit, and then we'll go around the table. Nicholas first, and then we'll ask John for his comments and Linus, and I'll pick one from John and one from Linus, and we'll keep going around the table. So statement number three from Dr. Nicholas Crasser at Pentos AG says, mindset, adoption, change adaption. Going into cloud is primarily about adopting best practices, learning from collective wisdom in the platforms. It's about changing internal processes and mindset. In a later phase, ad adaptation, adoption, and extension of standards become important elements. So let's talk about this concept of change. You've said, you've all said there's no big fear anymore about going to the cloud, but it does require change, change management. Nicholas, please tell us more. 
Well, uh, uh, typically, uh, companies uh, have some 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 legacy processes, and, uh, and and the way companies grow over decades, um, uh, there are some informal and formal structures and people and processes, and and things are set uh, more or less uh, in in stone, in, in uh, sometimes in an invisible kind of way, and sometimes very very much visible, and. Um, when you're coming uh, with a cloud implementation approach, uh, it is, of course, uh, the, the standard setup to keep it simple is to say, okay, there's, there's thousands of customers who have adopted these processes and uh, they typically work. And this is how they work and this is why they work. And, uh, and why wouldn't they work for you, dear customer? Yeah? Um, and that may, of course, uh, not be a one-to-one -one match you know, to the customer situation. So there may be some changes that the customer then is actually uh, confronted with. And, and then the challenge is actually uh, to, 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 to make the customer aware about the benefits uh, of going with, with those standards. Yeah? And, and those standards have evolved over decades, actually. Uh, so that is something that we then call leading practices or best practices. And they are the standard configurations and setups, and they actually uh, make sure that all the bits and pieces and processes actually work in sync. So, and if customers are not inclined to consider adopting them, <laughs> it can actually tend to be quite uh, challenging then in the implementation. And we would actually, I would actually, and that is something that maybe John can also relate to, it would be a non-fit customer, yeah? a customer who says, I know best how to run a certain process, yeah, and I don't care how all the other people, uh, companies do it in that area, yeah, because I'm super special and that is my unique selling proposition on the market, then the cloud solution is probably not the best fit. Interesting, being selective about who you pitch, who you talk to, who you sell. Interesting concept. There's retention and then there's selective selling and selective uh, engagement, shall we say. John Scola nodding, looking very pensive here. John Scola with those eyes. <laughs> I wish the listeners could see those eyes. <laughs> Don't derail me. John Scola, behave. John, please, please share your thoughts on what Nicholas just shared. Very interesting concepts. Go ahead. Best practices. Yeah, adaption, yeah absolutely. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. Nicholas, you're, you're completely spot on. I mean, you know, one of the promises of the cloud is that we can get you up and running very quickly, right? Um, and But the configurability or the customization of a cloud solution is very challenging because there goes away the idea of multi-tenant and that everyone being able to take advantage of the economies of scale of the data center and where the solution is actually sitting. If you want it to be customized, all of a sudden you have to have your own tenant. It has to be very specific to your business and, and that takes time and that takes money. And you know, that's not necessarily the promise of the cloud. Um, you know, we have a process inside for a few of our, inside of SAP for a few of our solutions. Whereas the customer comes in, we evaluate what are their needs, what are their requirements, and we have you know we do have some solutions that can be considered to be overlapping at times. And you know, based on their requirements, we'll determine specifically what solutions that they that would be best suited for them. And you know, it could be an on-premise solution or it could be an on-premise solution that's hosted for them because they want to they want to have it up in the cloud and they want to be in a subscription kind of environment you know where their opex versus capex it pays pays to them forward with that said when a um, you know when a part, when a customer does decide to go into the cloud 
adopting that solution is absolutely critical for them because then they've got adoption, meaning their their partners, their users are actually using the solution. Um, in order to get those users to use the solution, there's a tremendous amount of change management that takes place. And um, that is a very heavy road to go down because like Nicholas was saying, a customer can be very specific about how they've been doing processes for the last 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years, what have you, and getting them to change is very, very hard thing. And so um, lots of training, lots of attention to understanding culturally why they have those processes, and then really being able to position what is a different way for them to go and why, you know, like Nicholas said, a thousand other companies have actually done this. And so therefore, and they're making it work. So a little bit of flexibility goes a long way when it comes to the cloud. So. Right fit customer engagement and culture. Glad you brought that up, Linus Tabellion. We'd love to get your POV on this. What do you think? Agree or disagree with any or all of what they said? Well, I partly agree, I partly disagree. Um, I, I agree that that uh, um, the best practice approach when it comes to cloud solution is um, is quite advantage for, for an organization. And... Um, I would like to emphasize that the change management of what is needed in the organization is super tough for many organizations because we are actually, for example, in HR and at Rexmeyer, we, we are dealing with 20 cultures and we had 20 country organizations with different processes. And then we come and say, let's implement a cloud solution on a one template basis. So that was like a terrific work to do in, in order to understand the processes locally. Um, what are the reasons? Is it really necessary? Is there any legal obligation? Um, and can we fit all those different processes into the best practice approach of the cloud? And sometimes it works. So one solution fits all, and sometimes it doesn't. And um, especially for those um, parts where best practice approaches um, doesn't work for all the country processes or the culture, the legal obligations we have in, in different countries, we need to find individual solutions, which, which helps us as, as customers to actually um, yeah, maintain our business and to have stable processes. Interesting around the table. Nicholas, look at what you started. I'm holding you responsible. We brought out so many good points about cultures and countries and boundaries and we know best and is this the right solution and is it a right fit customer to begin with? You want to get the right customers. You want to get them to adopt, adapt and change and you want to retain them if they were right in the first place. Thank you all. That was a really good first round. John Scola, I'm looking at your statement number two. You say, going back to the customer, their market will not be standing still. We have to continuously ensure they're getting the maximum value from adopting our service. And we proactively, here's the key I want you to talk about. We proactively help them to innovate further. If not, they may have to look for something new. So let's talk about the outcome that is not the outcome they want, because you might say, well, we set this up a, a year or two ago and, and it's great. And they're saying, but wait a minute, I have to look at what the pandemic has done to companies that never 
made masks, that never made ventilators, that never made hand sanitizer. Look at the changes in the companies that were digitally fit enough to pivot, to be fluid, to be agile, and to change everything about their processes, how they manufacture, what their market is, and they needed to be. So let's talk about that, John, please. Yeah, great. So another quote just to throw at you, Bonnie. I don't know mm-hmm. if you have a chance to do the research now, but, you know, innovate or die. Right? I think it was Peter Drucker who said that. I did the research. <laughs> okay, I won't look it up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a lot of people actually said it or, or have phrases off of it. Um, but really, you know, customers are need to always be, to your point, agile. They need to be thinking about what's the next step ahead. And so therefore, you know, when you get them into a solution and or when you build a relationship with them, you always have to be working towards showing them new ways with which they can go and do business, new ways that they can leverage your technology, and then proactively coming to them with new ideas, new ways that they could maybe change their business models, really being a strategic uh, partner for them. And that's whether you're an SAP or whether you're an SAP partner or what have you. It's all about how do we help our customer grow, build, um, increase value, open up new markets, etc. And so it's about... It's about being innovative and not just thinking, hey, I implemented the solution. You're good to go. I'm going to walk away. Just selling the solution and implementing, that's just the very, very beginning. Everything really happens after that. That's where the true value becomes between a vendor and a customer. And so that's why I I pulled that statement together because I I just think it talks about the long-term nature and the long-term engagement between a vendor and a customer and how everyone needs to be in it together, being as strategic as possible to bring the best forward for that customer. Interesting, John. I'm thinking that retention has two sides. Does the, does the cloud subscriber slash user keep the vendor if the vendor isn't helping them move forward? You could get fired, right? Or And how does the cloud service, everybody's nodding, how does the cloud service provider keep their customers by keeping them moving forward? So it really is, it's the title of this series, The Power of Partnerships, right? How mm-hmm. good a partner are you with the vendor, the provider, and with the person who is subscribing or buying or using whatever term you want to use. Interesting. So retention goes both ways. Hey, you're not doing what you need to do for me. I'm not going to keep you around. I'm going to kick you to the curb and go find another. We love the cloud, but you're not doing what we need. Interesting. So John was up and let's move around to Linus. You're next in the circle. What do you think about what John said? I think you agree, but I'm, I'm seeing a smile. Go ahead, Linus. Yeah, I, I do agree because I, I actually it's quite simple because the digital transformation and its influence on, on business success is actually too important to, to shape it with a short-term orientated or bad performing partner, full yeah. stop. Yeah. Um, I mean, we at Rexemeyer, um during my time, we, we once had decided for a partner of which we were not convinced afterwards because actually it was hit and run. Right, uh, we we didn't feel that they were part of the team and that they were interested in our long term uh, uh, success. So we broke up the business relationship at the actually very first suitable opportunity. Yeah, so I totally agree with what John said. Thank you. Well, that was definitive. John raises his. I love. I can see people raising their hand rather than wait. Wait a minute. This is John. Let me in. John, please speak. Just and d- diving in on a quick one. Um, yeah. 
I think it was when uh, SAP acquired Concur, you know, which is a born in the cloud organization, which SAP was not. Now we are very much a cloud company. Um, and they had a statement that said, because everyone thinks about in the cloud, the renewal is so important. And absolutely, the renewal is important, but the renewal is a commercial transaction at the end of the day. And what Concur brought to us, they said, the first 90 days of the engagement with the customer determines the renewal. Hmm. And so that really means is the partner is SAP adding value within 90 days to that customer relationship. And those activities that take place drive the eventual retention of that customer, as well as that all important renewal signature and continued revenue stream. The first 90 days. Yeah. Wow. But wow. I have to say the yeah, time well, afterwards is also important. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. But I'm saying that we've got to get in those first 90 days adding value. And then obviously, if you can do that, you've set the tone for the rest of the relationship yeah, as well. Totally. Fair, fair, does, fair Nick, comment. I want to get you in here, but a question for all of you, doesn't it depend on the, the I'm going to use a terrible word, the mood of the leadership? So wait a minute, it's been a month. We've, we've, we've set up so many people to help onboard us to the cloud. We're working with this vendor. It's been a month. We haven't seen results. What's going on here? Seems to me like like the thir first 30 days would be, are we happy with how it's going? Are there milestones? Uh, Linus or John or even, are there milestones along the way of an engagement where you sense that there will be a customer retention? Anybody? Um, I mean, sure. Um, uh, you, you, I think you, you have a very good feeling, especially in cloud projects, if it uh, fits or not. And, and you uh, can gain this feeling quite fast because the, the steps you are, you are making in a cloud project are usually um, visible very soon. And, and um, you're working very closely. So I think, yes, uh, um, there's very much truth in, in the statement John, John um, mentioned. Thank you. Nicholas, let's get you in here. What do you think? Well, uh, I can give you an anecdote from the early days. Uh, a large, very large company, uh, enterprise kind of customer, they had a big budget for the implementation of a cloud software. And, um, and in, the, in, the, in the old way tradition, uh, after the first year, they cut the budget enormously uh, um, to 20% of the first year's budget. Um, and then they uh, decreased it each following year. And I had the pleasure, uh, so to say, to, to watch that over a few years. And with each additional year, um, they didn't invest at all into, into utilizing any of the additional options and opportunities that the platform offered. They just, uh, they just tried to minimize maintenance costs, uh, uh, get, the, get the support incidents down, uh, uh, never did a release, uh, actually, uh, if they could avoid it. <laughs> and uh, so with each additional year, uh, the employees got more and more unhappy. Yeah? The world was racing by. And I think that is in a bit of an exaggerated scenario, but that's the worst case thing that you can do from a customer's perspective. And it also ties into budgeting and having this long-term uh, iterative approach in, in leveraging because you pay for it. Yeah, the, the license fees for cloud software you pay for also for all the innovation that you get. And uh, for, for it, it's all it's the saddest thing for me to see that customers uh, have an initial hit and then cut the budget and the resources and are not able then in the subsequent years to leverage all the opportunities. Yeah. 
Thank you very much. John, this was your topic. Anything you want to add before I move on? Well, good to go. Great comments. Linus, we've covered a lot of what you had in your notes, but I want to just read statement two, which sums up. We're not done yet. Sums up, and then I'm going to address statement four. So statement two, Linus says, and this is hardcore here. Everybody listen up. He says, hit and run is negligent for both customers and partners. It will never lead to the maximum value for both and the business relationship will suffer, more likely it will end. That would be a beautiful closing statement. I don't want to wait till the end of the show to read that because I think that that really, really, Linus really summed up what we're talking about today. And it's not just for cloud, it's for any business relationship, right? Every business relationship, every whether there's a partner, as a middle person, whether it's a direct sale, you cannot be just, okay, we're done. You have to keep servicing. Now, let's go to statement four. I think there's a couple of nuggets in here that we haven't talked about. Uh, you say again, in an integrated and changing cloud environment, long-term business relationships between partner and customer with different levels of engagement allow several benefits for both. And then you say partners can leverage developed and proven solutions and best practices across their customer community, like add-ons, which would be extensions of standards. You want to talk about those add-ons, Linus, briefly? Sure, sure. Um, But let me uh, uh, first mention that for me, it actually seems absolutely obvious that uh, a long-term partnership is is the best model to to maximize the value um, from adopting a cloud technology. yeah, because the the chance for a fast and effective solutions um, and to develop them is 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 much higher when when you are actually working in a partnership in a long term partnership. And um, yeah, also the partner can benefit from those long term uh, relationships. Not only the customer, in my point of view. Um, for example, one of the best adopted solutions in our HR. Um, organization is an extension, so an add-on which is um, complementing the standard for a country-specific process which was developed by our partner based on our description of the problem, right? So our input was we have a problem, we have a challenge, uh, and the standard doesn't work, and our partner developed an add-on which we now use, and um, we are happy and also our uh, partner is happy because our partner could offer it to several customers, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a very good example on how a partnership benefits both. And um, at a, as a result, actually, well, both parties uh, um, have, have fun and success at the end, right? Coming out of the partnership. Thank you very much. Let's quickly go around the table. It's almost time for the crystal ball predictions, but I want to get responses. And Linus, my takeaway from what you said is sharing best practices across the customer community. It's not just the day you started, this was our list of best practices, but look at what we learned from working with company XYZ and you don't have to identify them, but here's something we can add value to your engagement because this is an experience we had and a different or a better outcome with another company we work with. I like that, 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 that sharing. Caring and sharing. There you go. Okay. Caring and sharing. You know, hit and runs. I like that. Let's quickly go around the table. Um, Nicholas, you want to respond to uh, what Linus just shared and then John, and then we'll go to predictions. No, definitely. On top of the adopt kind of, uh, which is very important, uh, the extension, I think is key for us also strategically and kudos to SAP. They, they, they build platforms which allow 
partners to, to build extensions uh, so that we then can sell to thousands of customers. And I mean, that, that is an incredible value proposition for us as customers. It helps us uh, uh, as partners. It helps us to create uh, IP that we can sell across thousands of customers. It helps the customers and it also helps SAP because the platform is more attractive. Uh, and they're doing that very well. So, so kudos to SAP. And I think it's clearly a win-win-win. We like win-win-wins. John Scola, you want to add? We sure something? do. We do that. <laughs> we do. I'm going to go back to uh, just on the whole add-on piece. And you know, going back to the iPhone analogy that we used earlier. You know, what would the iPhone be without apps? Mm-hmm. You would, it would be a telephone. It would be um, your calendar. It would be your email, and you would be texting from it. But now you could check your weather, you could check, uh, I mean, you could go onto Facebook, social media, Twitter, all of those things. And all of a sudden, the iPhone became something real. And so just like the add-ons and the extensions that SAP has created a platform for our partners to build on, it makes our solutions that much more valuable for our customers. And it also gives our partners a a great revenue opportunity as well. And in fact, add-ons and um, uh, development is one of the richest areas for partners to go into. So if you look at one of the IDC studies that they produced a few years ago, something like the highest margins for a partner are around developing applications. So developing their own IP, technical IP, so which means that they can continue to resell it, resell it, resell it. So it's a, it's a wonderful model for you know, customers adding value, for partners adding revenue and, and profitability. So it's a Win, 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 win. Win, win, win. Yeah, love it. Keep winning. Dr. Nicholas Krasser at Pentos AG. 60 seconds. Crystal ball predictions time. What do you see? Handwriting on the wall for the hit and run people. Uh, Opportunities for the people who embrace the idea of a real partnership. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. 60 seconds. What do you predict? (laughs) Well, I I would say next four or five years, we would see probably the topic extensions becoming even more important. Now, as the industry uh, standardizes around the best practices, we will see that industry-specific uh, technologies, yeah, customer-niche kind of products will become more and more important, uh, more than they are today. And I think and a second one would be that in the future, we are likely to see more hybrid scenarios. It's not 100% cloud, probably. So uh, I guess we'll see a bit uh, of a comeback of certain hybrid scenarios. That would Thank be my, my, my two predictions. I like your two predictions, and you squeezed them into 60 seconds, and we have time now for John Scola, who is re- I can see John is just ready to pounce. Okay, put the eyebrows down. Go ahead, John Scola. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. All right, so my prediction is that today's customer success executives, and those are the people who help manage the relationship with the customer after the deal is done, after the implementation, those folks who maintain that account, they will become tomorrow's sales executives because they have the empathy of their customer. They understand what it's like to be on the front lines with that customer after the implementation, when the adoption has to take place. And they have the best, they will have the best uh, understanding and the best mindset of how to drive customer success, how to drive that long-term relationship, how to um, maximize adoption and consumption of the solutions and continue to drive innovation. So I think that those folks, they're, they're creating skill sets today that will be able to drive future sales um, you know, tomorrow. Thank you very much. I've just been given the four minute warning sign, Linus to Bellion. We have, you know what? 
Linus, I have good news for you. Maybe it's not. Nicholas and John were so concise in their predictions. You can have 90 seconds for yours. See, guys? Whoa. Usually the last one on the panel gets shortchanged, and you didn't. They were, you can thank them after. Buy them a remote, an air drink, an air beer. Go ahead, Linus. What do you see on the landscape? Go ahead. Okay. Well, my prediction is that, that customers um, during the selection process and also in between during the work with the partners um, will pay much more attention to the deployment concepts and the way of working of partners um, because it is simply a crucial element for the success of the transformation of a company. And it often pretty sure will match I mean, now you can see I'm an optimist <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm sure we'll see um, a lot of long-term orientated and trustful relationships, much more than, than we have today in, in, um, in um, technology projects, um, which will lead yeah, to, to faster and, 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 and better solution adoptions at customer sites. And I totally agree with Nicholas when he says, um, extensions, apps will be more important in the future. Um, I see that customers will use them um, more and more as well. Thank you very much. Anybody have any rogue sports predictions as, as uh, leagues start to come back? They're not sure if they're going to keep the, the U.S. Open in New York in the fall. They're not sure about tennis. I know Federer just had knee surgery again, and he's not coming back this year. Anybody have any uh, football, baseball, NASCAR? Any predictions? Nothing? In German, it's boring. Bayern always wins the championship. So <laughs> that's <laughs> the prediction. <laughs> Let me just go around the table quickly. i got a couple seconds here. Nicholas, remind me or tell me where are you today and what time of the day is it? Oh, I'm, I, I'm in Graz in Austria, actually, and it is 4.55 uh, in the afternoon. Almost tea time or something else. John Scholar, where are you? I am uh, just Boston. north of Boston in a okay. cute little town called Marblehead, and it is uh, 10.56 a.m. That's my time. I lived in North Cambridge for a couple of years, John, way Great back spot. in the day. I commuted to BU. My husband was at uh, Harvard Architecture, and my little boy went to Radcliffe Daycare. I took him on the back of my bike on a baby seat down to Harvard Square. Interesting. Linus, where are you awesome. today? I'm north of Munich in Landshut. And the time here, same as in Graz, 4.56 in the afternoon. Well, you go have something good to wet your whistle, as we used to say. I can't thank the three of you enough. It has been such a pleasure getting to know the three of you. I thank you for your work before the show, your great quotes and your statements. Thank you, Nicholas, for the thumbs up. It's It's been a joy. Uh, Zoom has really enhanced the radio experience. All these years, we could have been on visuals, and the pandemic drove me to do this. So again, a big shout out and an air hug to Noala Spooner, who has worked so hard putting together this topic in this panel. Uh, Morton Andrews works with her. Neil Cox and Maggie Gorowska are the sponsors of this brand new series. We're so happy to have them here. I have a shout out to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at Voice America, the business channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. It's been wonderful. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. My car is getting three months to the gallon. How's yours doing? Whatever you're waiting for, go out and be a game changer today, just like Dr. Nicholas Krasser at Pentos AG, just like John Scola at SAP, just like Linus DeBellion at Drexelmeyer Group. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great one. Be safe, be smart, be savvy, be well, be kind, be empathetic, be considerate, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 
Thanks again for tuning in to The Power of Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.